You're listening to the Christian's Hour. Welcome to the TCH program. It's a thing. After the holidays, at the start of the new year, there are a lot of people hoping to start anew, clean out the old bloodstream, detoxify. You know, this might be a great time to spiritually detox as well. All this month on TCH, we're hearing from Gene Apple and Mike Bro. Gene and Mike minister with Eastside Christian Church with campuses in Southern California, Nevada, and Minnesota. There are many things that can be toxic to our spiritual walk. You know what I mean. Things that clog us up, weigh us down, cloud our spiritual vision. Things like a hurried, overpacked life, a tortured soul, a heavy heart, even a cluttered mind. This month, we're unpacking how we can detoxify our souls. Harboring a secret sin or an unresolved hurt can be poison to our souls. They can be torture. But there is a way out. Resolution. A way to detoxify. Going beyond forgiveness, here's Gene Apple with a tough but effective biblical way to detox our tortured souls. As we begin a new year, a lot of people are detoxing their bodies, right? If you've been to a gym or an athletic club in the last week, it looks like a church at Christmas or Easter in there right now, right? Everybody's doing it. But during this series, we're talking about a different kind of detox, Next weekend, I want to talk to you about detoxing from a heavy heart. Many of you are carrying a tremendous heavy load in your life. I want to talk about how you can be free of that as you begin a new year. Then in two weeks, we're going to talk about detoxing from a cluttered mind. Because the Bible teaches us that how we think up here is what we become. And how you think in your mind is what you'll become. But today, I want to talk to you about detoxing from a tortured soul. Last weekend, Bro reminded us that we are not bodies who happen to have a soul, but deep down, we are souls who happen to have bodies. In fact, when God created the first human being, Genesis chapter 2 describes it this way and says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living what? Soul. We are not a body with a soul, but we are a soul with a body. And many of us today are living with a tortured soul. Why? Because there's an ingrained secret sin in our life that no matter how hard we've tried, we've not been able to, to deal with it. There's a habit, there's a hang-up, and we just can't get past it. Maybe you'll identify with these humble and honest words from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 when he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Ever been there? Identify with those words? I sure do. Paul just admits that he is powerless over some things in his life. He's tortured by some things that he does that he he does not want to do. There's this internal battle of torture going on. Maybe you've done this before where you make a promise to God and you say, okay, God, I am sorry I've done this. And I promise you right now, I am never, ever, ever going to do this thing again. And then the next week 
or the next day or the next hour, you do it again. And you live this duplicitous life. You live it in front of your friends. You live it in front of the people that you work with. You, you, you live it in front of those that you love, in front of your church family. But inside, your soul is tortured because of this secret, this sin inside of you. And as hard as you try, you've not had the power to change it. You're like a person who's standing in a bucket trying to lift it up by the handle. How far do you get? Peter describes the battle that takes place inside of us this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. He's talking as foreigners and exiles. He's talking about people who follow Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't even have to pay attention to this today, okay? But he says, if you do, I'm challenging you to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your what? Soul. We're tortured in our soul. This is where the battle takes place. We're tortured by things that we've done. And we carry around this heavy load of guilt that is only made heavier by our inability to do anything about it. David in the Old Testament was a great example of this. In Psalm 38, verses 3 and 4, he says, There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a, notice how he describes it, a burden too heavy to bear. When I was six years old, I was playing across the street in the basement of Hansi and Michelle Herdeman, my friends who lived across the street in Lincoln, Illinois. Hansi and Michelle were twins. And we were playing Batman and Robin in their house. And we were running all through the house and we were having all kinds of fun and having a great time. And then I carelessly and accidentally, but it was my fault, I knocked over this big potted plant that went falling to the floor that broke into many pieces and dirt went everywhere. And this is something Mrs. Herdeman had won at the Illinois State Fair. It was very precious to her and she was hot. And she said to me, I'm six years old, get out of this house and never come back. Wow. I was devastated. I went home. I felt so guilty. I didn't want my mom to know what I had done. I wanted to keep my secret. I got out on the living room floor. I had some puzzles that I was working on on the floor. And then all of a sudden, the phone rang. It was Mrs. Herdeman for my mom. And I knew I was dead meat in that moment. Even at six years old, I knew what it was to have a burden that's too heavy to bear. Some of you know when I'm in Minnesota up at Park Rapids in the summer that that I like to fish. And, uh, you know, when you go fishing, you know, you have a bait and a hook that you put into the water. And, 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 and I think sometimes, you know, when, when you go fishing and you put this line in the water, how stupid must a fish be to go for this, right? You know, here's this line and this big hook right in front of them. And you're going, here, little, little fishy. Come and take a bite of this. I know you think I'm a little worm food right now, but not really. If you bite into me, I'm going to hook you and I'm going to trap you and I'm going to take you away. And fish are so dumb. They fall for this every single time. You would think once in a while they would think, oh, no, there's a sharp hook on there. Or no, I've seen lots of my little buddy fish friends. They go to that and they go flying off and they go up into the air and I don't know where they go. We say that fish swim in schools, but they never learn, right? <laughs> Many of us have these habits where we're hooked that take us to a bad place. 
Can I ask you what is it that has you hooked right now that you have been unable to do anything about it, no matter how hard you try? What is the secret sin in your life? For some of you, it's a little plastic card that says Visa or MasterCard on it where you just get this budget-busting urge that you can't control to buy anything and everything whenever you want. For others, it's a little weed that you roll up in a piece of white paper. And a day without it for you is like a day without sunshine. Or maybe for you, it's meth or prescription drugs. Or maybe the thing that has you hooked is that screen on your smartphone, your iPad, your laptop, where you watch things that if anybody else knew you were watching them, you'd be really embarrassed and it might hurt some people that you love. Maybe the thing that has you hooked is a beverage that you can't control and without it all heck breaks loose inside of you if you don't get the stimulation that you want. Maybe for you, it's a slot machine or a video poker machine or, or a temper that has you hooked and you can't control it with your kids, with people that you work with, with even your dog. Maybe it's a sexual sin that's really embarrassing. Maybe you cut yourself and you wear long sleeves just to cover the scars so no one knows. Maybe your problem is stealing. You know it's dumb but you just can't stop. And we all know that if this secret that we have became public about us, it could be really bad. And so our souls are tortured by our secret sin. Now, a lot of people who fish these days practice what's called catch and release. Because you want to make sure there's enough fish for other fishermen and other fisherwomen who come behind you. A lot of people, they catch a fish, they take a picture of it, and then they release it. And I've often thought what that must be like for a fish. All the minute they get hooked and they're being reeled in and they're going, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I fell for that. I am stupid, stupid, stupid. I would never do that again. And then all of a sudden they get out. Somebody takes them off the hook, takes their picture, and then just releases them into the water. I've often thought of fish at that point that when I do that, they must be swimming about 500 miles an hour going, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. So let me ask you, are you ready to be free like that? Do you want to detox from the thing that tortures your soul? If you do, I want you to know that's going to require two things to happen in your life. And I hope you'll write these down. First, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness for forgiveness of our sins. We confess our sins to God. Many of you know this famous verse from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's a verse right there that every one of us ought to memorize. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us based on what Jesus Christ did on a cross for us, the payment that was made for us. He will forgive us of all our sins. He'll purify us. He'll bury our sins in the deepest sea. He'll remember them no more. And friends, when you confess your sins to God, he really forgets them. He really forgives them. You say, God, don't you remember the time I? And God's like, no, I don't remember that. God forgives us when we confess our sins authentically. But here's the thing. 
Many of us find ourselves after confessing our sins like that and God forgiving us, coming back, saying the same prayers the next day, the next week, the next month. And while God forgives us, we find ourselves tortured in our souls and nothing really changes. Can I ask you a really tough question? I've got the mic, so I'm going to ask you a tough question, whether you want me to or not. Of all the things that you have confessed to God, that you've asked him for forgiveness, and that you've asked him over and over and over, and you've pleaded with him to take it away from you, and you've promised, I will never, ever do it again. Here's the question. Why can't you seem to break free of that sin in your life? Could it be that we've misunderstood what confession really is? Could it be that our confession is incomplete? Could it be that true confession that leads to true change is really uncomfortable and difficult for us and that's why we don't take the next step? Remember in the Old Testament, a guy named Abraham, God promises Abraham, Abraham, I am going to bless your life. I am going to bless you with a nation. I'm going to bless you with a land. I am going to bless your family. In fact, all the descendants of the earth are going to be blessed through you. You are going to get, you're going to get tired of being blessed because it's just going to be nonstop blessing, right? God says, I'm going to bless you. But there was a, there was a caveat. If I'm going to bless you, there's something difficult that you're going to have to do, Abraham. Anybody remember what it is? God said, you and all the other males with you, you're going to have to be circumcised. Now, guys, can we all agree? That's a difficult next step, right? I mean, don't you think Abraham was wondering, like, couldn't we have like a secret handshake or just chest bump or something like that, you know? Let me ask you a question. Why are biblical heroes like Abraham biblical heroes? Here's why. Every biblical hero is a biblical hero because at a critical moment, they took a courageous next step in their life. Let me tell you why a lot of people are living with a tortured soul and why they can't get past it. Because they are unwilling to take a difficult next step in their life. You want to go to your next level in your walk with Jesus Christ, you got to take a difficult next step. Oh, but that's going to be difficult, Gene. That's going to be challenging. Yeah, well, there's another guy in the Bible that took a difficult next step. His name was Jesus. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, God, if there's any other way, you know, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he took the next difficult step and he went to the cross. You see, there's another aspect of confession that we can't miss if we really want to change. Yes, if we confess our sins to God, he will give us forgiveness of our sins. But here's the second thing that I want you to write down. We have to confess our sins to other, others for healing from our sins. For healing from our sins. We have to confess this issue that we have to God, but that's not the hard part to confess it to God. But then we must confess it to another human being. That's the difficult part. That's what is daunting. And right away, many of you are thinking, I know I probably should do that, but I am never going to do that. I could never do that. And this is why so many people who have been set free by God for the forgiveness of their sins continue to carry a tortured soul because they can't take this difficult next step and they don't find healing for their tortured soul. 
Here's the wisdom from the brother of Jesus, James. In James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, confess your sins. Notice, not just to God, but to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Notice when you confess to each other and you pray for each other, that's when the healing comes. Once you risk honesty with another person, all of a sudden there's this freedom that comes inside of you. And you've broken out of denial mode. You've broken out of hidden mode. You've taken what used to be in the dark and you've brought it into the light. You don't tell everybody. You just tell somebody that you can trust. Somebody who can keep a confidence so that you don't read about it on the National Enquirer or see it on TMZ or anything like that. This is really why I want every single one of you to be involved in a small group where we pray for each other and where there's constant course of course of spiritual encouragement for us and we hold each other accountable. Relationships like that are some of the most important things in my life spiritually. Now here's the big idea today. Here's this entire sermon in a sentence. Here's the tweetable quote of the day. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to others for healing, for healing. So here's the question of the day. Are you going to take the courageous next step that you know you need to take and confess your sins, not just to God, but to another human being so that you don't have to live any longer with a tortured soul? I want to tell you in advance, I'm going to take a huge risk in the next seven minutes or so. I'm going to run the risk of you getting mad at me. I'm going to run the risk of you writing me off by speaking some truth to you in love. Because I know God cares about you too much to just watch you sit and go through life with a tortured soul. He wants something better than that for you. So much better. But the next step is going to be difficult. It's going to be a very difficult step for you. Nothing I'm about to say is meant to be condescending or condemning in any way, but I'm going to stand accountable to God one day for every word that I uttered from this place. And I want to be able to stand and say, God, I spoke truth in love, even when it was hard. So let's talk about some very practical, but very difficult next steps that some of you might need to take today in your life. Some of you need to quit drinking. You just need to quit because some of you have a drinking problem and you can't handle it. You say, Gene, how do I know if I have a drinking problem? Somebody you love in the last 30 days has told you you have a drinking problem. Or maybe you're one of those persons that has to have a glass of wine every night in order to relax. And you say, well, no, I'm not addicted by that. Okay, give it up for the next 30 days. Let's see. Or maybe you're a person, you have to have a drink in your hand in every social setting that you're in. You need to confess that to someone. You got a problem. It's a difficult next step. Now, I'm going to talk to you about food. Before I say a word about that, some of you know this has been my struggle. I have struggled with weight and food and self-control issues all my life. I was the fat kid growing up. I was made mercilessly fun of by an older brother. For those of you might be struggling with this, I struggle with this. The Bible says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Your health matters to Jesus. 
Obesity-related deaths will trump alcohol-related deaths this year. And I'm not going to shy away from this. You've got a difficult next step for some of you to take in this area of your life. For others of you, you're on the opposite end of this continuum. You don't struggle with overweight issues. You struggle with bulimia. And I know you're here. And the reason why you struggle is because the models on television and magazines and in movies are not based on the fact that Jesus Christ loved you enough to send his only son to die for you and that you are his treasured daughter and you are made in the image of God and you are precious in his sight and you are beautiful and priceless and you don't have to live that way anymore, but that's your difficult next step. Some of you men in here, Probably, if studies are right, 50% or more of you and increasingly 20 to 25% of women are addicted to porn. Some of you have been followers of Jesus for years. You're a follower of Jesus with a porn addiction. And here's the cycle. You watch porn, you feel bad, you cry, you confess it to God, you pray, you promise to God that you're never going to do it again, and then you do it all again. Listen, the only way you're going to get past that is if you confess it to another man or to another woman. I know some of you guys are probably saying right now, well, I just got to pray about that. I, I think if I just pray more, then I'll finally get released. Really? How's that going for you, bro? You've been doing that for over a decade now. Some of you are having sex with someone that you're not married to. You got to quit that. Or if you're married, you're Maybe having an affair, you're flirting with an affair. You got to keep your pants zipped up if you're with somebody that you're not married to. Some of you are having an online relationship through Facebook or a, a dating app of some kind. It's a, it's a relationship that you know is inappropriate. You got to stop that today. For some of you, it's a forgiveness issue. There's someone in your life that you hate. They've wronged you. They've hurt you. They've wounded you. Listen. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I know all about that. I know what you're talking about. You say, well, you don't know what they've done to me. Maybe I don't know what they've done to you, but I do know what they did to Jesus. They crucified him. And while they were crucifying, he said, Father, forgive them. And he forgave them. So if you're better than Jesus, you get a pass on this one. Otherwise, you need to confess your sin of unforgiveness and forgive. Some of you married couples, you need to ask for help. You know why? Your marriage is going down. But Gene, if we ask for help, people were going to know that our marriage is in trouble. Guess what? When you start getting a divorce, people are going to know that your marriage is in trouble. It's not easy to take the next step sometimes, friends, but I'm telling you, it's always right to take the next step. Now listen, nothing I just said is meant to be condemning because I've struggled with many of these things myself. I'm just telling you, the next step is difficult and you got to take it. If you finally want to detox from your tortured soul, because when we confess our sins to God, we're going to get forgiveness. But when we courageously take that next step and confess our sins to others, that's where the healing's going to start to come. So some of you are at a crossroads right now. What are you going to do? You could continue to carry this tortured soul. You could continue to carry this secret, this load all alone. You could continue to hurt yourself and hurt those 
that love you and you love. Or you could take a hard, courageous step and you could ask for help and you could confess your sins to others who would pray for you and bring healing to your life. Here's what scripture says. I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to take a few moments and we're just going to give time for some soul detox in our lives today. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, this is the message paraphrase. He, referring to Jesus, Jesus used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your, notice the word, healing. His wounds became your healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. And that's what all of us were. We were sheep that had gone astray. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your what? Souls. Jesus is the shepherd of your souls. It's time to detox our tortured souls. Whoever the son sets free is free indeed. Lift up my soul, lift up my soul, bring joy to your servant. Lift up my soul, lift up my soul, exalt you the king. Lift up my soul, lift up my soul, bring joy to your servant. For you are the ruler over everything. Lift up your voice, sing praise to the Father. Lift up your voice and magnify his name. Lift up your voice, sing praise to the Father. For he is the master over everything. Exalt you, O Lord, upon your holy mountain. Exalt you, our God, for the Lord our God is holy. Lift up my soul, lift up my soul, bring joy to your servant. Lift up my soul, exalt you, the King. Lift up my soul, bring joy to your servant. For you are the ruler over everything. Lift up your voice, sing praise to the Father. Lift up your voice and magnify his name. Lift up your voice, sing praise to the Father. For he is the master over everything. Exalt you, O Lord, upon your holy mountain, exalt you our God, for the Lord our God is holy. Lift up my soul, bring joy to your soul, lift up my soul, exalt you the King, lift up my soul, bring joy to your servant. For you are the ruler over everything. For you are the ruler over everything. For you are the ruler over everything. Thanks, Gene. Thank you, too, to Acapella Ministries for their music of ministry. In today's message, Gene talked about some things that were hard to hear. Weaknesses in our lives that we really don't want exposed to the light of day. 
Yet God's Word, God's design for us, though challenging, is the only effective way of combating these vices from the evil one. In that 1 Peter chapter 2 passage, Gene quoted, Jesus bore our sins. By his wounds we are healed. Confess and be healed, freed from a tortured soul. Today's program is available to download online from our website, thechristianshour.org. You'll also find us at oneplace.org, iTunes, or Google Play. If you prefer a free copy of this message on CD, just give us a call. Our number is 515-770-2241. That's 515-770-2241. Please leave your name and mailing address when you call. We'll send your free copy on CD. Our website again, thechristianshour.org. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll join us again here next week for TCH, The Christian's Hour.